Let me introduce my wonderful guest tonight. This is Alexis Alfaro. He's a Mexican-American tenor. Sing, he's a singer of classical music, traditional Mexican folk song, and contemporary jams. Um, you were trained and brought up in many prestigious institutions, um, one of which was here in San Diego. And uh, you are now working with um, several groups, including San Diego Opera. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. We 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 barely made it live before we had a full interview. <laughs> so welcome. Thank, thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, yeah. So tell me, um, you had major stuff going on right before COVID hit. Tell me about that and what the transition into um, quarantine was like for you. Right, right. So um, I'll try to be concise, but you know I'm not. That's all right. <laughs> Let's just start like, um, it's you know, March is when everybody got the news. And I was uh, saying that for me, I thought, you know what, like this is going to be fine. But even more before that, it, sorry to get to your question first, was what was I doing? I was, a, I was singing and it was going very well. I just finished like uh, with Lyric Opera Orange County, which is a new opera house out of there, which in retrospect, we think we might have all gotten COVID because the whole cast got sick oh, at some point. Wow. And as we've talked about in retrospect, all of us were a lot sicker than usual. Um, so that was interesting. But that all that to say, I, the next thing that I was preparing for was to understudy uh, the role of Count Almaviva at the San Diego Opera, which I was very excited about it. Like that was a nice stepping stone for me. Um, and, uh, it, you know, a nice nod from the company that they that they saw me in that light. Um, so I was very excited about that. But, you know, as we as we know, everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And I went from, you know, being like in a really uh, exciting moment to to not letting it go and saying like, you know what, it's still, I'm still gonna, like, it's still gonna happen. You know, we might just, we're only gonna lose a month or something like that. Like by June, we'll be fine. And so I just kept on training and kept on preparing. And then like, yeah, like I said, about a month later, April, at the end of April, I was like, oh no. This is this is all shutting down. Yeah. And as far as I could read, as far as I could hear, I knew for sure it was going to be shut down until 2021. And then probably several months later, I realized like we're in a transitory state right now. And it's going to be one to three years. This is what I think now. Mm, so hard to hear those words. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. It's good because you need like, let me put it to you this way. I've, I've heard some very powerful, um, you know, everyone's on Zoom calls this and that, and I've been in some really good meetings. And when we talk about innovation and creativity and what artists are all about, like this is our time to shine. Like this really shows you what you're all about. And you, for me, I was strengthened. I was like, I'm ready. Uh, like, like this is what, you know, they always tell you this is going to happen. Like they always say, be prepared. It's going to be tough. Uh, and I've, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, but, but to put it, to put it even more, you know, to give a kind of a, a better light to it. One of the people that I was listening to her name is Beth Morrison, and she's a very big producer of kind of new age opera. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was on a call where she said, we're lucky that it's 2020 and not 1918, not even 1984, because look at all this technology we have and look at everything we get to use to create what we wanna create. And for me, 
I definitely hibernated a lot, which means I grew a beard. You know, I still have remnants of it. I like was in bed, just like, mm, mm, mm. I'm just <laughs> video games and uh, you know, took time to relax. But at the same time, all the projects that I needed to get done that I said I was going to have time for, you know, the operas that I haven't, you know, looked through yet, but I wanted to like getting it all done and feels great. And then from there, like in about June, I really started to realize like, oh shoot, like, okay, things are, the ball's rolling. Like things are changing, creativity, innovation's happening. Are you on that wave or are you on another one? And so um, a lot of the things that I've been doing prior to COVID, um, they started coming back, but in virtual form, mm -hmm. you know, figuring out your home studio, figuring out how to record uh, better. And opera definitely comes from, it's not, there is half of it is an air of, well, you know, the, the best way to sing is this way. And the only way to hear it is in the opera house. Right. Um, there's that side for sure. And there, and the, the best part about that is the feeling that we're trying to do our best and give you the best, like the best that we can with our voice, the best that human voice can give. Yeah. Um, but the other side of it is we have the opportunity to share this with so many more people. And we keep on being exclusive, like we have mountains, and but we have the opportunity with all the technology we have now to share it more. And we mm -hmm. should do that. And so those two sides have now, because of COVID, they're both in agreement. Because mm -hmm. the, the winning formula is like, well, how about you get 10,000 people watching your video on uh, YouTube and you get 3,000 people in the opera house? Like, do you want one or the other one? Which one do you want? The answer? both you want them both yeah so it's um that and that's that's where we're at right now that's that's yeah. where opera's at and there's some success and failure happening all around the world all around the country mm -hmm. and uh that could be said about everything that's happening in our world right now yeah yeah you know on that note yeah. too um I, I i think i've said this before covid hit but in terms of classical music and where we're at technology wise, I think that's another incredible thing because when I was growing up, if you wanted to hear an opera, it was fed to you by your choral director, or you had to go to a library to access something like that. But now kids growing up and, and you know being introduced to classical music, they have anything they want at their fingertips you they can hear you know multiple companies doing you know one show in particular or um you know and and i think that that's uh that's a big advantage now that we're at for sure i mean you're telling me i i agree with you 100 because I'm, I'm just imagining all the times in my life where i'm like wow i think of spotify where i always say like go back 20 years and tell yourself anything you want to ever listen to at any time that you can recall it. That'll be in the palm of your hands in like 20 years. Yeah. I think you'd laugh at yourself yeah. and now, you know, we have it. So yeah, we, you know, smoke them if you got them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That made me think of, of, uh, having sitting and listening to the radio and this is definitely dating me here um sitting and listening to the radio and recording songs from the radio and trying to trying to cut it off right oh, when the uh, dj came back <laughs> the set tapes oh like pressing oh I, I i did that i did it all the time 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the good old days. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So where, um, where are you seeing things coming back around? Where are you starting to see some movement within opera? Okay. Um, like for me, for San Diego, for the, for the national, for the world, which one do you want? Well, let's start, um, let's start with San Diego because you just got to, uh, be a part of, or see something that was pretty um, right. innovative. Right. So San Diego, we are lucky enough to have an opera house. Um, I think across the world, the nation, you know, you could give or take, there's about 200 opera companies and about 20 major houses, San Diego, and then LA is another one. So just being in this uh, region allows you more access to opera. That being said, we have a company that is a mid-sized company that not, nobody was positioned well for COVID, but we, our general director was already thinking outside of the box and doing innovative productions where they weren't just in the opera house. They were, you know, out in the city, they were at different venues all over. We were sharing a lot more with our education and outreach. A lot of it realizing that as all artists have to, like, how do you engage your community? What's the best way to connect with your, what does your community need? How can you help it? And the big one for us is we, finally have realized we are a border town and we need to connect, you know, with besides so all that to say, um, they, there's been a lot more hiring of, um, Latin talent is, is, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing to say, but it's definitely been a focus. And that all that to say is last night, um, we had a drive-in opera. Uh, it was at the San Diego, uh, sports arena. You drove in, the stage was set up, you tuned your radio, uh, the symphony was there playing because there are, you know, there are, um, there are symphony when we, when we sing or when we put on an opera, which has been a great contract that's come together. So I guess what I'm talking about is like collaboration is happening here in San Diego. Um, there is, you know, we have an opera company that was ready for this, as ready as you could be. And we've started to pivot and, and do innovative productions we're one of the only places, there's other opera houses that are major opera houses that have shut down their season, uh, that have, you know, everything has stopped for at least uh, spring of 2021. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, everyone suffers because of that. And San Diego is here doing something. Um, you know, that's, that's our professional opera house, but underneath that, between here and LA, we have a lot of infrastructure that's set up um, with colleges, uh, with scholarships, with donors, uh, with competitions, um, just opportunity to be a part of it, I guess, if you want to, you know, and, um, and, and I guess that's what's going on here. So there's silver lining all around and we're, you know, kind of lucky to have it as mm -hmm. other things are, are falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you seen in institutional, like, institutional education, um, what, are you seeing any good solutions being put into place so that music classes can come back or are we still totally off the grid with that? Are you, okay, when you ask that question, are you saying like in general or within academics areas or just music in general, like for the city? Really in academics, so the kids, uh, rolling into college this year, hoping to um, start their music major. 
it's is a bad time, especially for colleges, because for two reasons. One, and in California especially, um, yeah. I I went to the University of Kansas uh, to get my master's, and their education system and how they incorporate music, it's like it's a part of it's a part of their learning K through 12 and everybody does it. Imagine if you got to, if you were into instruments or you're into choir, if every summer you got to go to SDSU for free and train with all their people and all their teachers and you just keep that circle going. And then you knew as soon as you got hired, you would get a job in Kansas teaching K through 12 music. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're embarrassed about their situation over there because they're like, it, it used to be better than this, but they have that. In California, what's the, the first thing to get cut is the arts. Um, you know, I, I grew up in San Diego and that always happened like when there were budget cuts or the school board, this and that. It was like the arts classes got cut immediately. Um, so at the university level, I've only, I know it kind of just because I understand it, but I also have heard from a couple of music professors of mine and they're saying like uh, schools are shutting down. And these programs and departments are the first ones that are going to go right now because it's not just now these budgets for 2021 are slashed too. So that's not good, (laughs) but silver lining or the way you can see it is for opera. I I really like to impress this on pop people in the world. If you really counted as many people as you could, you might get like 2 million which is a generous overestimate of people that are actually opera singers, right? That, that, that sing it and they're trying, they're on the path to be an opera singer, which is not a lot. In the United States, uh, we have 33,000, is that the right word? Yeah, 33,000 AGMA members that are part of our musicians union, which constitutes like 0.009% of our population we have about maybe 1200 kids coming in that um you know from these music schools that are then you know trying to be in the professional level mm-hmm. that's not a lot of people so it's not a lot of competition you know what i'm saying and it's a very inclusive environment mm-hmm. i'm on the uh metropolitan opera national auditions council uh, for the san diego district when our so we just had a the, the audition is still going on. We're doing this virtually. The Metropolitan Opera, although they have, you know, it's not going well over there. They said this competition matters and we need to continue to support our youth. So we're, we're going on with it. We're doing it virtually. And, you know, we're going to figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, very brave and very courageous and really cool to see them do it. But 1,200 kids auditioned. Only 616 got in um, this time around. We had meetings for both, like large, you know, 500 person Zoom meetings where the winners, we told them congratulations, you know, welcome to the family, we're moving on. But, and, and you, they got an HR lesson. They got, you know, like welcome to the Met lesson. Very, you know, enriching. Yeah. The, the people that didn't make it, I wouldn't want to say winner or loser because it's just participants. Again, everybody, anybody wants to sing opera, come and sing opera. You know what I'm saying? Like we need everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but they had, they got a, um, imagine this, imagine if you do an audition and you sing that even if you don't do well, somebody's there to go like, Hey, we really appreciate that you came here today. Um, we, we want you to come about, you've got 10 years to do this. We want you to come back next year and the year after that and the year after that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not feeling good right now, we have a, um, a counselor or like a sports psychologist that will talk with you um, and just let you know, you know, like failure and success are the same thing and they're going to help you see this so you don't give up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened. Like that happened last week. Wow. So I, I don't know why I'm saying all that. I'm just trying to give a scope of what opera is, what's mm-hmm. going on in San Diego, you know, what the infrastructure is we have here, what it is nationally you know, what is it, what it is internationally, because there's not that many people in the game, but all that are in it, you know, it, it's a pretty welcoming community. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, I, I like that. And, and it's good to kind of expose that idea too, because um, when I started my musical training, it was all classical throughout school. And we had that privilege of back then, you know, that's what you were taught, you, you went through choir band and orchestra did all those things it was available and and it was available to me through high school but on the coattails of that those music programs began falling away in so so many places you know in mass numbers and i always wondered um wow you know i can't imagine what what it would be to have lost that foundation in music growing up Um, And then I, of course, went down a completely different pathway with music, but then um, have circled back and I I joined Nats two or three years ago and realized, wow, there really is quite a lot still going on. I just, I just wasn't, it wasn't in my, you know, sight line at the time. So I, I, I really get what you're saying there. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you mind? Um, so tell me, okay, you are a producer, you're a singer, you're, you know, creating this summit, uh, you know, um, what, I'm sorry, what is it? It's, it's a pandemic proof singer, great name. Um, you're also a teacher and now you're saying you're getting back into naps. So kind of give me an understanding of everything that you're doing and we're teaching fits in with that. <laughs> well, you know. I think that that's another silver lining of COVID because prior to that, my work with my band, the Mighty Untouchables, we were just incredibly busy. And so teaching was more of a side situation for me. And I had, you know, limited availability to do anything like that. But as soon as this hit, of course, all of the gigs went away and I just, I opened up my books and, um, I just kind of like we talked before, before we went live, I just have a, I have a need inside of me to create and, and be involved, you know, in a lot of things. I I just can't imagine not having, you know, anywhere to send that energy, you know, so I, I thrive on it. It's not, it's not an energy reduction for me. It's not taking energy from me. It's like multiplying it, I think. (laughs) So I make it happen one way or another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, and, and I'm, so are you saying that too. you, <laughs> oh, geez. Hey man, I, I caught a little bit of, um, what was that? The, 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 Oh, we're getting a sketchy signal. Come back to us, Alexis. 
There he is. I'm and here. Okay, back. sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah. So you were saying um, you caught. I was. I was asking you. The the singer from Cardiff, Wales. He was saying how one of the ideas that they had was they were always going to go to Europe, and they you know they had that in their plan, and this was the best time to do it. And one of the things they got was schools going on over there. And I was like, oh wow, you know, it's just every artist has a different path, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And it was in really interesting to hear how that came to fruition for him. Just like how you're saying the, the vocal teaching has come, you know, full circle for you, mm -hmm. uh, especially right now. Yeah. yeah. Are you enjoying it? What do you like, what do you like to teach? Like what, what is your key to helping uh, students be the best singers they can be? You know, I, I think um, I've worked with all skill level, all age level. And I, I think I enjoy different aspects of um, a lot of it. I, I tend to not work with um, kids so much anymore, just because I think kids really need a very special person that's really tuned into into that um, type of energy and understanding. And I'm just I'm just not that person. I just take it way too seriously. But uh, I love working with singers who are you know, really driven and really, really hungry for it. Um, I love singers who are always pushing the boundaries of their, you know, vocal range and singers that really want to um, understand their voice and kind of peel back the layers of, you know, everything that creates their sound so that um, I'm always really trying to push for, um, you know, knowing, knowing your instrument so that you can always predict what it's going to do and uh, what what situations might be challenging for you. Like, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but I think it was just a consultation or something. And um, we were talking about a singer being in a situation where they're on a stage and they have an amazing monitor situation. And you can tell, you know, my voice is going to be strong. I'm going to have a ton of endurance. I can do a you know, two hour set if I wanted to, but then there are other situations that you step into where, you know, you're, you know, you can't hardly hear anything and mm -hmm. you can sometimes, if you know your voice enough, you can predict what is going to happen, you know, two, three songs in without being able to hear yourself. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's just the singers that really, really want to dive in and understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course I'm, I'm really more in the like pop vein of things and, um, country rock. I, I have been away from the classical world for so, so long and not immersed in that. So I don't even, but it's, it's that. I always think of it like sports where we're all athletes. It's just, uh, you know, I play baseball, you play soccer. Yeah, they play tennis, and that's what genres are. It's just it's just the type of training that you do to uh, create the sound that that you're supposed to, yeah. that you want to, that, that you're that you imagine. Mm -hmm. Ah, freezing. Come back. There you are. <clears throat> and you're back. <laughs> um, are you able, are you, have you been teaching virtually? Have you been doing any Zoom lessons or anything? I don't, um, I enjoy teaching, but I don't like keep an active studio at all. 
uh, I have been, I've been coaching in person uh, with Dr. Nick Ravellis, uh, mm -hmm. a treasure of San Diego, uh, one of the you know foremost education outreach directors in the nation when it comes to opera, um, but and also a great pianist. So I've been coaching with him, and that's been going very well. And then uh, the current. Freezing. Let's do virtual lessons, virtual lessons, and they work out like surprisingly. Yeah, they do. They do. Unless so, you're working with like a soprano or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And you know, we a lot of times the conversations him and I have are, are more. We, it's concepts. It's not a whole bunch of singing. It's more like okay, let's review the language. Uh, you know, your your French is off, so we have to go. We have to do the the fundamental work. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know he 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 knows what he's doing, and then we sing passages, passages, and he just kind of tells me, you know, you're going in this direction, and I need you going in this direction. And I'm at this point able to make those corrections well enough where I can go, okay, I, I see what you're doing. I'll go, I'll go take that to the studio and make sure that I next time we meet that'll be, uh, you know, cleaned up, mm -hmm. um, or I'll go in that direction. And every voice teacher I've had along the way. I don't know. If, I think that answers your question, but I'm going in a tangent now. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like I don't do video lessons. The answer was no. Uh, I do take and I do meet still live, uh, but you know, very limited. And then there's no rehearsals or anything. But that kind of answers the question, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Would be um, every voice teacher I've had along the way, you know, has showed me something that I needed to learn at that moment and I wasn't ready to learn anything else. And sometimes, a lot, of a lot of times, I'll think back to like, that's what they meant. Like, now I get it. You know, that the whole time they were telling me and I, and I might've even never out loud, but in my head being like, I don't know, what, I don't think they know what they're talking about. Um, and then later on, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, like I didn't, now I get it. So um, I guess we're still able to do that, you know, Another good thing about being 2020. Yeah. Not 1918. <laughs> Definitely. I'm glad we're not in 1918. <laughs> um, so tell me what um what is next for you? I mean, we're looking into 2021 and it's kind of like, meh, you know, what's gonna happen here? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you thinking of doing? I mean, I'm we're moving to digital. Like that's what's, that's what's happening right now. Okay. And so on a national level, again, a contentious thing in opera where on one hand they say like, come to the opera house only. That's the only way you can hear this in, in its best form. Recording, mm, you might not, you know, you're, like you can manipulate it, this, that, and the other thing, you're not there. Hmm, freezing. Come back, come back. Good for clients where we're traveling around. Oh no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you, am I are there? You're there. Sorry yes, about that. You're back. <laughs> as, we, as we've all lost our contracts, we've all come together. So okay. lucky break. Uh, I had been helping to run a, a concert series called Opera Wednesdays. And we did once a month, we did concerts where opera singers from all over Southern California come and perform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a great little situation. 
we were able to take that virtual because we got like some donors and some sponsorships. So we've we've done one concert and we're releasing two, one in November, one in December uh, coming up. And that's that was, you know, kind of a godsend and a welcome and, and not a welcome, but kind of an introduction into, okay, this is how you do things virtually. This is how you bring it together. You know, this is how you reach people. And it's all trial with some errors and then you just make corrections and try to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm doing some of my own personal recordings uh, under that format. I'm doing a collaboration with a buddy where I always love, I love, I love eighties pop ballads. Like I love eighties pop, I, you know, like sing it to the world. Um, and I do, I sing them all the time. And so I just like to do it in my classical voice with a guy I know, Adam Johnson, Adam Eros, you know, I think he's pretty well known around Southern California, but he, uh, he can play anything. And he's, he, you know, he's a composer, he's a producer, he's a this and that. So he, I'll be like, look, but don't make it 80s, make it like, a, like an art song. And then we're, we're presenting this like really seriously. And these words are meaningful. I love, <laughs> I love that. I love it too. Like you don't even know, I love it too. So, I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm in a tux. You can be the funny man if you want, but I'm taking this as seriously as possible. And I'm trying to deliver this like as meaningful as possible because I love this song. And, uh, and it's great, you know, so we do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some, what are some of the songs video. you've covered? Uh, 1986 Karate Kid. Uh, it's like, believe you me, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> I do some sp- like Luis Miguel Spanish ballads. Um, what's one of Songs are legit. Mm, I keep losing you. Come back, come back. Songs in their day. You're back. <laughs> and you're not. All right. Well, we'll give you a minute to come back to us. You're watching the Pandemic Proof Singer series, and I am talking with Alexis Alfaro tonight. He's a classical vocalist, and he has so many good things to say. So I do hope that bring it back. There you are. Oh, you're back. (laughs) (laughs) Where did I cut off? Where did I cut off? You were you were telling me about the uh, the songs that you were covering. Oh, so it was like Peter Cetera, Glory of Love from 1986, uh, Luis Miguel ballads. I do have a lot of like mariachi songs where I put them in a more classical voice, um, just thought, you know, with a guitar or something. Um, so I just like to make everything uh, have that classical feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I guess to tie it all together is like the songs that were, you know, number one 80s ballads that are now 40 years old, that's an art song. You know, that is now, and, and will it survive for 500 years? Like many, you know, a lot of opera pieces have, I don't know, but they were all like hits at one point and they all had meaning. And as an artist, I want to like keep them going. Mm-hmm. Um, and selfishly, I love singing. Yeah. You know? 
<laughs> it's a winning combination. <laughs> um, so have you recorded these? Can they be listened to somewhere? Uh, Adam and I are in rehearsal right now. And we will record probably, I think in two weeks, mm -hmm. you know, and we're just trying to figure out, because he, he got into it. He's like, okay, storyboard. And I'm like, storyboard? What's a storyboard? <laughs> and he's like, we're going to do a music video. I got a green screen. And, you know, it's like, it's all great. So I don't know what we're going to do, but step one, we got to get the song down. We got to get, we got to get the music right. We got to, you know, make it sound wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, we're still about a week or two away from that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And what's uh, the yeah. instrumentation that you're using? He's just, he's on the piano, he's but that's what I'm saying. He is a trained classical pianist and he can make, first of all, Peter Cetera uh, and David, David Foster, great composers. Like they really have some beautiful harmonies. Adam can bring on and uh, you know so so it sounds like an orchestra on his grand you know mm -hmm. and that's the point and that's what that's the relationship like you only need two instruments when the relationship is uh, you know correct um, yeah. you know ultimately if we could all just sing a cappella like uh, you know that then no need for anything else mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's so cool I would love to hear that. Um, so you go kind of walking back to saying, you know, everything's going digital and, and you've seen um, some of the concerts, virtual concerts coming around in, in an opera setting. Um, what is that? What does that production look like? How does that process work? Is everybody individually recording from home or are they going to studios or coming together? The answer is all of the above. All of the above, yeah. So I'll give you two examples. Mm -hmm. uh, the Met HD about ten years ago, the Metropolitan Opera, which is you know considered one of the best opera houses in the world, based out of New York, they started recording and they did a Met HD live where you could pay fifteen dollars and they would do a live show at a theater. They would be like broadcast into the, into your local movie theater. Mm -hmm. um, Again, contentious because like, we can't have people watching in a movie theater. They need to see it at the opera house. Right. And you know, now everybody who might've been on that side of like, we can't, they're like, this is a lifeline. Like, thank God for saving the Metropolitan Opera because we, they've been sharing these the entire time of COVID for free. So if you go to like Met Opera, you can watch free opera mm -hmm. at the highest quality, best artists um, every night, I think. I think they do it every night, crazy. So that's one example of, of, that started maybe about 10 years ago, and now it's, oh, good idea. Um, to, to the, on the other side, there have been a couple of people that are, you know, when it comes to <laughs> the comeback. Um, so, the they you know you, you you sing at home you have to stand in a certain spot and then the director like edits it and green screens you and just trying to figure it out and there's been mixed results in a lot of cases i'm sure at least 50 percent of all directors were like i wanted to do this anyways now mm -hmm. i get now's my opportunity now i'm going to be able to so that's that's what's going on um were yeah, you... and it's it's great. Last night, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to ask when, were you equipped at the time to do it? Did you have to like scramble to put a home studio together or were you ready for that? For me, um, gosh, I know, I know that when like I had my first Apple computer that had, um, garage band, mm -hmm. I dove in okay. and I, I made a couple recordings and I, and I like edited a couple things and I did it. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. But I was singing opera and there was no need for any of that, but I, I developed the skill set, or at least I got to a point where I felt comfortable using it mm -hmm. and knew I could do it. And what it's been is retraining and realizing, Oh my gosh, my studio, the, the studio that I had imagined back then would have cost me like 5,000 more or more than what I can get now because the technology has all improved so much. So mm -hmm. I didn't need much. I have, I have like my, I have a really good Neumann mic. Um, I upgraded my camera to like 4K Ultra um, by buying an iPad, which wasn't much. Um, and then, you know, one of the things about opera is they don't like you to use a, a track recording. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's no bueno. But there's been enough innovation. And now again is the time where they're like, yes, uh, please use a track recording so that we can, you know, hear what you sound like. Um, so that, that's all available to us now. So it wasn't much, it wasn't much to get it all together. And, you know, even more lucky is there's, there's a couple places around town where we can record for free right now. Yeah. And they're, they're great spots and they capture really good sound. And mm -hmm. so, um, that's what we got, you know, that's what's going on. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I know that, uh, you know, I've talked about this a number of times um, on the program about uh, just the high fidelity, low latency technology that's, you know, getting better and better and better by the day um, at the uh, Nats conference this year, they, they demoed so many um, of these, you know, instances where uh, one of the ones that I paid the most attention to was a um, cabaret um, situation where you had the singer on one end and the piano player on the other. Um, and they had this near flawless, you know, simultaneous playing situation without any delay. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more complex to jump on something like that and dial it in well enough on both ends, but it's encouraging to know that it's coming around. I mean, and quickly now, obviously, because it's right. Right. And yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to make sure that we, we talked about something that you had um, mentioned to me earlier. And um, that is talking about the national and international makeup of opera and, um, and your thoughts on why people don't pursue it. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, let's see, it's good, a long answer coming, but I'm gonna try to gather my thoughts okay. here. Would be, okay, I think, I think I said before, you know, there's maybe in a generous estimation, did I say this, there's about 2 million people in opera mm -hmm. uh, across the world maybe? I, okay, so, so that's the international makeup is, oh, I guess, let, let me give an example. In Germany, I got to sing there for a summer, um, it was amazing. They, every town has like some kind of opera festival, some kind of opera house. If you're hired as an opera singer, you're a government employee because it's, it's a part of the culture, a, a, a strong understanding that um, arts and culture are in society are like intertwined. 
Mm. And so uh, you get funded by the government to be there. Uh, you know, so I would have, I, I met a guy named Theo Hoffman, an amazing tenor out of Germany. Um, he told me his dad was like a lifelong chorus member for, you know, uh, a pretty high level um, opera company in Germany. And that, you know, now he's retired and just collecting, you know, retirement because he was a chorus member. You're, you're an American, you're like, what? <laughs> like, like, you could do that? And so, um, uh, but, you know, America has its strengths here too. So that's, you know, maybe the international makeup to kind of give you an idea of there's about 2 million people. Uh, Germany is a huge outlet for it. Uh, France, uh, Italy has actually been suffering a lot since 2008 because mm -hmm. they were like a hundred percent government subsidized with a, you know, sprinkle a little corruption on top of that. <laughs> and so uh, since 2008, the financial crisis, like the government funding has just completely fallen out. So it's, it's actually been a very sad thing to see mm -hmm. Italy, you know, lose its shine because that's, you know, the birthplace of opera. Um, still, you know, like everything's, I don't know for sure. I'm not in, I'm not boots on the ground, but you know, they're still doing it and it's still, you know, there's still the birthplace of opera and it's still a part of their culture. Mm -hmm. Um, France, Germany, England, and then every country has an opera house, you know, in, in, in the United States, we've got about like 20 major opera houses. And the best way I've heard it explained is an opera house is an international beacon of, uh, unity, inclusion, um, diversity, and you're kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? Because you're thinking maybe in American terms, and it's like, no, 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 opera sung in four different languages. Anybody can sing this language, you know, no matter what you look like, no matter, and it's not just about the singer, it's about all the musicians. It's about, you know, the horn player, it's about the conductor, it's about the costume designers, it's about the set designers, it's about, you know, the union guys that are, that are working on the side of that. We're all one big family together. Um, and that's what every opera house stands for. Cause everywhere you go, you know, wherever you travel in the world, there's pretty much that set standard. And it's really cool to be a part of that, you know, fraternity, um, that brotherhood, uh, sisterhood. And it's, uh, that, you know, I guess that that's kind of one of my ideas that I like to impress upon people when it comes to opera around mm -hmm. the world and you get, you know, it's still like a, it, it's not, it's not like you get rich or anything, but you there along the way, there have been things set up for you as a singer in opera. Like you, you're part of a union. Uh, your, your salaries are already negotiated. Um, you get, you know, the, this, this, the fees are already set for whatever role you play. Um, and you can kind of figure out however you want, you know, you can, you can create your own path within, within those, uh, those uh, metrics. Mm -hmm. And so, our unions fighting hard right now, especially, you know, we actually have people, I get an email every day from AGMA telling me about what's going on, who shut down, how we're fighting in Congress. And I'm like, lucky I had that. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know I had that, in, you know, for a long time. So that's what, you know, that's opera across the world. And that's, um, I, I, you know, the international national flavor of it, I guess I can explain it right now. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Um, mm -hmm. So for, for anyone watching this that has not had any level of exposure to opera, but they're interested in at least checking it out, where do you think is a good starting point? Obviously, they're not going to roll to an opera house right now to see a show, but um, what are like your top three recommendations for someone yep. to at least get a taste for it? 
Okay. Um, so three three examples. Uh, the first one would be Met HD, who is giving their uh, operas for free every night. So I think if you just go Met on Demand, if you Google Met on Demand or Metropolitan mm -hmm. Opera, you'll find it. And that is, you know, International Beacon. They bring in all the best from all over the world. And they're showing you maybe the past 10 years of what they've recorded. So you get a really good feeling of that. Uh, YouTube, you have to be more precise, but there's everything on YouTube. You have to know what you're looking for though on YouTube. Right. You don't just, it doesn't just like pop up for you when you put in opera. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then it just depends. Like, what does a person want to hear? You know, do they want to hear a beautiful soprano voice? Uh, do they want to hear a tenor voice? Uh, do they want to remember that Carmen song that everybody knows or the Figaro song? Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't really your ear leads you, right? Your ear leads you to what you like. And I would never force anybody to listen to opera because initially you're kind of like, what is that? Like, it's too much. Uh, the first opera I went to as a kid was Of Mice and Men by Carlson Floyd. And, and you know, in the opera world, this was a triumph. It was an English opera, an American composer. Um, I got free tickets living in San Diego because they gave all high school kids free tickets. And I went, and I left to intermission. And, the, and I remember the, um, the, 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 the sweet old usher lady, she like came up to me, she's like, are you enjoying the show? And I was like, not really. And I just like walked out, right? I feel so, I tell that story sometimes to people and they always laugh at me because they're like, you walked out on Carlson Floyd's of Mice and Men. And I was like, I'm sorry. Cause it was like, a, it was a huge deal. I just didn't like it. It didn't sound good to my ear. Yeah. Um, and English is a little bit harsh. I have now been in a couple operas, uh, Dead Man Walking uh, being one of them, uh, based off the book by Sister Helen uh, Prejans, I believe her name last name is. Um, and there was a movie about it. It's an American opera. To me, I, when I was in it, I was like, I have been a part of history because this one's going to last forever. Mm -hmm. Like, this is an opera that they'll talk about. Yeah. You're freezing again. I'm so sorry. There you are. You're back. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's all good. I guess I was just saying America's taking off when it before COVID, America was really taking off for women composers um, and uh, American composers. And we were producing a lot more operas, uh, new operas uh, than any other part of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and they were really telling stories. Uh, they, they're kind of, some are coming towards what we know as musical theater now. And the funny thing is 1950s musical theater is now being sung by like the great opera singers of our, of our time. Mm. Well, they'll be like, you know, Renee Fleming, please do a carousel. And she nails it every all four nights. Cause it's like easy for her to sing. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. yeah. That's so cool. Well, I, I, musical I love theater, talking be to you good. about this. I love talking to you about this and I so appreciate you taking the time to come on tonight and just shine some light on this genre of music. And I, I, I love the, um, I love the eighties ballad concept and I can't wait to hear that. So I, we appreciate.